This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Christian Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tervish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. Now, the purpose of my show is to explore how work will change in times of globalization and digitization. We want to understand the work of tomorrow. At a time when Cambridge Analytica is under investigation in conjunction with the leakage of 50 million Facebook accounts and Twitter has become the media with which the White House communicates to the nation, we're reminded that journalists are essential for democracy to function. However, the work of a journalist and the operations of newspapers have been transformed, first by the Internet and then through social media. And it looks like a next wave might be coming for the work of journalists. And now artificial intelligence is writing stories without human input. To help us understand this topic and the future of journalism, I have a great guest to welcome at this point. Stan Wisniewski is the executive, executive editor of Philadelphia Media Network, which publishes the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly.com and other papers. Uh, welcome, Stan. Hey, welcome. It's, it's uh, great to be here. Talk about your background and how you became the executive editor at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Well, I've uh, been in the profession now for 33 years, and uh, about 18 years ago, um, I, I arrived at uh, you know what I had seen as one of the most iconic uh, newspapers in the country, uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, in my 18 years here, I've uh, served as the editor and executive editor for about eight of those years. Um, during a, a, a string of changing ownerships, I uh, was in the editor's chair on two different occasions. Uh, I'm currently the executive editor, and I oversee the uh, the newsrooms of the Inquirer, Daily News, and Philly.com. Give us a sense of the scale of the operation. I mean, so I, I think in the United States in general, there are about 30 million newspapers printed daily. How many uh, issues are printed by the Inquirer? Um, our audience is, is, is quite large. I mean, we're uh, one of the seventh largest uh, Sunday newspapers in the country. Um, we serve about 9 million um, unique visitors on our, on our website, silly.com. Um, we sell in excess of a couple hundred thousand uh, newspapers each day. Uh, that number is almost twice that on Sunday. Um, so we're, uh, you know, we've been around for 188 years, and, uh, you know, much much of our focus uh, is becoming more digital, but uh, we're proud to, to be one of the few two newspaper towns uh, in America with the Daily News and the Inquirer. How many journalists work at the Inquirer? At the at the moment, we have two hundred about two hundred fifty journalists. Again, uh, that that represents you know one of the top ten largest newsrooms in the country. Uh, we cover eight counties. Uh, we cover two states, both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Um, so our our current staff is at about two fifty, and uh, we're doing a lot of uh, we're doing we're in a hiring uh, mode right now. So we're bringing in a lot more uh, digitally focused uh, reporters and. Uh, you know, also building largely on the visual uh, audience development side. And when you speak about these 250 reporters, is it in journalism these days? Are those mostly freelancers? Are they full-time position? How does it work? Um, we have 250, about 250 full-time reporters, editors, producers, photographers. And uh, in addition to those 250, we have quite a large freelance network that we use on a daily basis on a variety of topics. Now, uh, we'll focus on journalism today, but uh, just for completing the operations, 
so there's also then printing and some form of distribution. Do you know that, do you own that outbound network or is, is your job finished once the newspaper is digitally set and somebody else prints it? Um, I, our our uh, distribution is, we have one of the largest printing plants in North America. It's based in our suburb here of Concho Hocken. Um, we also, um, so we distribute and we print the Inquirer and Daily News, but in addition to those publications, we print uh, the likes of the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and several other um, daily and, and weekly newspapers. Um, from a digital standpoint, um, we distribute content, you know, 24-7, all day long. And, um, you know, we have some media partners, uh, both in our local ecosystem and nationally, uh, that we partner with on, on different uh, subjects. Uh, but that, that that's the breadth of it. Now, I know it's hard to kind of divide a, a line between uh, the digital business and the paper business, but as a thought experiment, if we would just focus on the print edition of the Inquirer, how much money does it cost you to produce one newspaper? I mean, if you think about the printing press, if you think about the overhead, uh, do you have a sense of kind of, I mean, I would imagine your margins are strongly negative because it's an advertising business, but give us a sense of how much it costs you to, to make one newspaper. That's a really good question. I mean, I, I, I don't know the logistics of, of one specific newspaper. Um, uh, in general, our pricing is such where we, we, uh, we charge $2 on the daily, um, $3 on Sunday. Um, the, um, you know, in terms of how much it costs, uh, it, it's a really good question. I don't have the exact uh, total of what that costs. But, uh, you know, our, our presses run... Uh, throughout the night, you know, in, in the wee hours after midnight to, to 4 or 5 a.m. And, you know, it's, uh, it's it's still a very lucrative business for us. Um, you know, uh, the business model has is, is changed quite drastically in recent years where, you know, reader revenue uh, circulation is a big, big part of what we do. Um, advertising is still very significant, but it's it's nowhere near what it used to be. So the the sources of revenue for the newspaper are basically what you sell for the print version, then subscription revenues for Philly.com and your digital channel, and then there's advertising. Yeah, that that generally captures it. Um, we um, we do a lot of events now. Um, our events generate uh, a good stream of revenue from us. Um, we recently opened up a store. Um, we're selling, you know, uh, old front pages uh, during the Super Bowl. We we sold, you know, T-shirts that, you know, mugs, coffee mugs, uh, a variety of things that have been very successful for us. Um, but but mainly uh, our revenue comes still comes through print, and we're very excited about our digital subscription model that was launched in September. Um, you know, just you know, seven or eight months in, you know, we've already have in excess of almost ninety thousand. Uh, people paying for our digital content, uh, more than 20,000 of those are digital only. Um, so we have started making that pivot to where um, reader revenue is, is uh, surpassed advertising in terms of uh, the, the, the most uh, you know, popular uh, revenue stream for us. And Philly.com has a freemium model somewhat similar to the New York Times, if I'm informed correctly, right? You get like 10, 10, 10 articles free, and then you're asked to subscribe? That's exactly right. It's uh, at this point, it's ten articles free, and um, you know, from that point, there's an entry level of like ninety nine cents, I think, to get started um, for the first four weeks, and then it goes up after the first month. Um, I'm knocking on wood here, but we're fortunate that uh, our retention rate uh, for those who have started their subscriptions has been very strong for the first eight months. 
So if we zoom in on the work of journalists, so as a th thought experiment, if I, would, if I would pick up an inquirer, how many hours of journalist time goes into making mon one issue? So it's, it's, it's Monday, I pick up the Monday inquirer. Uh, how many hours of journalism work went into producing the Monday, uh, March 22nd issue of the inquirer? Oh, it's a, it's a very good question. I mean, it, it, it ranges from day to day. But uh, in general, our first journalist arrives somewhere in the vicinity of 5 a.m. And our last journalist uh, leaves around 2 a.m. So during those hours, we're uh, producing content all day long. Uh, much of that content goes uh, up online uh, rather uh, quickly, you know, sometimes the same day. Um, some of those stories uh, end up in the daily newspapers of both the Inquirer and Daily News. And uh, some of that reporting time is, uh, you know, suited more suited for the Sunday paper or weeks or months out, you know, particular investigative work where it's not uncommon for us to detach a journalist to spend anywhere from six months to a year on a single subject uh, if it's important enough to this community. So if I do the numbers correctly, then order of magnitude, if we ignore maybe people who are focusing only on online or working on a longer story, they say there are 200 journalists, they work somewhere between 6 and 10 hours a day, that makes it uh, 1,600 hours of kind of journalism time that each day you can deploy to get to a lovely newspaper. Is, is that directionally correct? That, that directionally is very correct. And, uh, you know, just to just to make sure your audience understands, of the 250 journalists that we have, about exactly half of them are reporters or columnists or critics um, doing the actual uh, reporting and writing. Um, so, yeah, those, those, those 120-some um, reporters uh, are, are spending time, you know, doing that sort of work. But then we have another layer of editing that goes on and uh, producing for the website and, you know, laying out the print to, printed paper. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, at this point it's, it's still a pretty strong editing model. How does this work when, do you source content externally where you just go to somebody else and say like, hey, you have a really cool column or you have a very nice kind of sports summary of an event? Uh, so do you b just buy on block like a module from somebody else? Um, we, we do it several different ways. I mean, we, uh, we, we create our own original content internally and a lot of that content, you know, ends up in, in our products. And uh, there's a portion of the, the content that ends up on different wire services, you know, such as the Associated Press, uh, Tribune Media uh, Company. Um, so our content gets dispersed uh, to other um, sort of third party. Uh, of course, a lot of our content ends up on Facebook, uh, you know, Google. Um, so a lot of the work is, um, you know, dispersed uh, across many platforms. We have a content partnership, for instance, with the Pittsburgh Coast Gazette. I mean, that's the largest paper on the western side of PA. And uh, those stories that we do together with them get distributed, you know, almost statewide. So in those partnerships, you basically, you, you just trade in the sense of you give them their stories the other way around, they give you them their stories. Uh, is there also, uh, help me out understanding the AP model, is there a version where you write and then somebody pays you like a royalty fee on your content? Um, yeah, it works in different dif different manners. Um, that's not necessarily the case with the AP. We're part of a cooperative. Um, they produce a lot of content that we end up using in our paper, and we also share content with them. Um, there are a few of the other um, 
uh, news clients uh, separate from the AP that use our content, and we do, in fact, as you mentioned, uh, receive royalties um, from from those uh, organizations using our content. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I have the pleasure of talking with Stan Wisniewski. Uh Stan is the executive editor at the Philadelphia Inquirer, or the Philadelphia Media Network, and we're talking about how work of journalists is changing, and operations person as I am, I, I can't help but but run these productivity numbers of how many words a journalist would write a day. Uh, how, how do you evaluate if a journalist is doing a good job? What is kind of the feedback loop of evaluating a journalist? Well, in, in 2018, it's a lot different than I arrived here in, in the year 2000. Um, uh, in, in the year 2018, we have a lot of metrics at, at our disposal, uh, in, in many ways too many. Um, but we do have a, we have a way of, when it comes from a digital standpoint, um, we, we get a lot of uh, measurements in terms of how large the audience uh, is uh, uh, divulging the content. Um, those numbers come in, the, in, in, in different ways. We get uh, the number of page views a certain article will yield, um, how much sharing is going on with the story in social media, how much is being distributed across those channels such as Twitter, Facebook, and others. Um, we get a good idea of sort of uh, the depth of how, how deep readers go into stories. So um, if a story, uh, a good number for us is anything, uh, you know, two minutes or more that, that uh, a reader is digesting a story. Um, so we get a lot of metrics, for, particularly for the digital content. Um, when it comes to print, um, we, we do a lot of reader surveys. Uh, we get a lot of feedback on, on what what people are reading, what's more popular. Um, it's not as um, granular as, as the type of data we get for, for digital content. Um, but, um, you know, we do have in, in 2018 a much better understanding on uh, audience from a metric standpoint. And those, those, those metrics help, help guide some of the decisions we make on what we should be covering more of or less of. And, uh, you know, separate from, from the data, you want to be data informed. You don't want to be data driven. Um, separate from the data, we just do a lot more talking to our audiences than, than ever before. Just to to uh, if we hold an event, um, we don't like to just go you know put a journalist up on the stage and, and be a moderator or a participant. We like to work the crowd and uh, learn a lot more from those uh, consumers of our content to see what what's uh, what's hot and what's not. So with these measurements, you are somewhat similar to the academic world where we track citation counts and impact factors and other things. Is there like an 80-20 rule that like 80% of your clicks or reads digitally get produced by 20% of the journalists? I have a hard time imagining it's uniformly distributed. And so do you have a couple of stars? Yeah, we, we definitely have some stars. And, and, you know, those, uh, you know, what we call like an engagement index that all those things I mentioned to you are sort of wrapped up into one number. So we know of our reporters, uh, you know, which ones are resonating, resonating and which aren't. Um, you know, not every beat is, is created equal. You know, for instance, um, some reporters, you know, write two or three stories a day. Uh, our obituary writer, for instance, uh, she writes, you know, easily two or three a day. Um, our investigative reporter might might write one every six months, um, so we measure impact differently for those. You have to for those different sorts of reporters. Um, so the um, the the overall, you know, we do know, for instance, there are portions of our news report that get extremely low readership, and uh, I think every newsroom in America now is trying to figure out like 
what do you do more of and what do you do less of? And, uh, you know, with the, the amount of uh, measurements uh, metrically that we have at our disposal, we can make those decisions with, with much more clarity. Does it lead to an odd culture or performance pressure among your journalists in the sense that somebody walks around and says, like, my article has been read so many more times than your article? Does it kind of implicitly create a hierarchy? Uh, it can. I mean, uh, we we uh, it's 2018, and we have not like used this method for very long. Um, what's very important uh, as as we've rolled this out is we're having a lot of conversations with our editors and our reporters, um, so they understand this isn't an arms race. This isn't the, the most clicks win. Um, you know, with this uh, digital subscription model, it's much more about engagement. It's much more about how. Uh, how we can connect with readers uh, beyond just just the clicks, and so um, I think th we've rolled this out very slowly, and I think there's a, a buy-in internally because um, you know our reporters and uh, editors have been part of the process and how we do this. Um, we do not reward uh, page views, page view counts, um, but uh, you know we will reward you know those who uh, are building audiences. Uh, you know, we have the ability to see, for instance, you know, what types of articles, um, you know, uh, force people to convert to buying a digital subscription. Those metrics mean a lot more. And uh, I think our, our journalists understand for us to uh, really modify and enhance this uh, business model that, um, you know, we have to do this together. So it's interesting, right? I mean, you're really looking for that engaging story. And I mean, the technology now allows you to track what people find engaging, but just you mentioned the view time I'm on the page. You mentioned conversion afterwards, right? If I've read that article, am I more likely to buy afterwards? What, what makes for that engaging story? Um, it, it, it requires, it's, it's a very good question. It requires um, a newsroom full of very good storytellers. It requires a newsroom of, of very good fact checkers, um, you know, we, we, we value our accuracy, you know, uh, a, a great deal. We've been here for 188 years, and the reason why the Philadelphia Inquirer nameplate still represents a very trusted and reliable brand is because we're very, uh, we're very um, uh, selective in, in what actually gets published and what doesn't. So it's, a, it, it's just a part of the, the culture. Uh, I think there's a understanding when you, when you, when you arrive in the Inquirer newsroom, there are certain expectations. Um, we've got a great legacy, you know, a great tradition of, of outstanding investigative journalism. So, you know, we have to be real selective in who we bring in. And, uh, you know, we, we surround our, 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 our reporters, uh, you know, our up-and-coming reporters with our veteran reporters. And I think that's a, a mix that has really benefited us very well. As I was preparing for the show, I was reflecting about my own news consumption, and I noticed that my biggest share of wallet goes to The Economist and The New York Times, which I read primarily to get opinions, right, rather than just collecting facts. And initially that made sense to me where I said, like, well, of course, I mean, it's opinion from smart people that you want to be influenced by. It. Everybody can download facts. And then I realized that in the year 2018, facts are no longer facts as they used to be. And so if you think about your role as sharing facts and your role of interpreting these facts, how would you kind of make find that balance? Well, it's, uh, it, it requires a, a really good balance. It requires a balance of uh, ensuring that the, the content that we are producing is, is, is truly authentic, is, is truly unique. 
Um, one of the things we focus on a lot now is, you know, the Inquirer of old was probably twice the size of, uh, when I say the Inquirer of old, when I arrived here in the year 2000, we had twice as many journalists as we have now. Um, we have to be very much more selective. We're less of a general store. Uh, we're going to zero in on topics that we know there's interest in our community and that they're topics that we can truly uh, own, so to speak. Um, you know, we're not going to chase down every fire or every shooting or every, you know, board meeting in, in the many municipalities that we cover, but we are going to try to provide um, content that helps uh, readers understand the issues of the day, uh, informs them, entertains them. Um, you know, so our, our strategy, uh, you know, now versus what it was 10, 15 years ago is what can we bring to the table that the rest of the media pack doesn't have? And, uh, you know, that's why our focus on investigative work, um, analysis, um, explanatory types of reporting, that brings us a, a, a much higher value in 2018. So if I'm just imagining myself working for the Inquirer, you mentioned uh, from the 250, about half of the the staff is reporters, so around 100, 120 people were reporting. And we like this idea of investigative journalism, I think. Never ever in the recent past has this been more needed in, than in these scary days. Mm -hmm. um, so what do I do? So how long do you as an editor give me before I come out with a story? How much How much investigation can I have before you say that, Christian, but it's also time to fill a page? Um, I think it, it just depends. I mean, there's, um, there's, there's such a wide variety of, uh, uh, journalism that we provide. Um, you know, there, are, like you said, there, there are pages to fill. Um, we do, you know, we're, we're, we're fortunate to have enough journalists to each day have enough, um, content to, to fill the two printed newspapers. Um, but, but our reporting, you know, we're, we'll, we've got, we're studying something now, the, uh, lead levels uh, across uh, certain areas of the city. Um, it's a report called Toxic City. Uh, we're into year two on that reporting, and um, you know we've provided two uh, special reports on that, and there's a third one coming up. Um, those stories they, they get printed when they're ready, when they're uh, fully vetted, uh, when we feel like both sides of the story have been mastered, um, that there's enough. Uh, different voices and in, 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 uh, data to support uh, our, our findings and our reporting. So it really runs the gamut. And at the same time, we have people churning out, you know, daily stories on certain beats that uh, require us to, to be, you know, at, at City Hall every day or to be, you know, at a, uh, a sporting event. Um, so it, it really does run the gamut. Uh, but, but the key thing is, you know, we're not going to publish until it's ready. And, uh those are conflicting demands, you know, particularly in the in the uh, digital environment where, you know, uh, producing content all day long really uh, is 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 key. Has it changed? I mean, so clearly channels like Twitter or Facebook have, have changed the just the velocity of the publishing. Is that making it harder for a well-researched story to mature? Because in some sense, there's a little bit in in media, I mean, I guess in media a lot, in, in the corporate business, this famous first mover advantage with new technologies we found in our research is, is actually not as big as people think. But in media, there is a huge first mover advantage of coming out with a breaking story. Uh, is, is that kind of impacting that balance between quality and uh, and, and just the urge to be first? 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about it. It, it does it does challenge you know the uh, the pacing of uh, the quality stories you know and in, in, in when they're published. Um, that's why recruiting so important for us. I mean, we're 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 fortunate to have you know in the 120 reporters we have you know we have more than a dozen who've won Pulitzer prizes over the years. Um, we've got a, a a veteran staff where you know 15, 20, 25 years or more. Um, covering news in the city of Philadelphia benefits us greatly, um, but the younger reporters who who we're, we're bringing in or we have brought in, um, they come to us you know very well vetted. Um, they they have mastered the uh, the uh, basics of, of writing reporting and, and accuracy, um, but they are we often pair them up with some of our more seasoned uh, veterans, and uh, it's a formula that works for us. Um, and I think it separates us from the rest of, of the pack, um, you know, but the pacing is, is really important. And that's why we've had to really dramatically change our workflows in recent years where, um, you know, our reporters are showing up much earlier in the day and uh, our traffic uh, starts uh, rising at five, six in the morning and it, and it peaks around 2 p.m. That's sort of where we want to really deliver as much content as possible. And, uh, you know, to do that, you often have to, you know, what we call is day parting. We actually have like uh, sort of your old uh, image of the TV guide where, you know, we're going to deliver certain amounts of content for certain hours. And some of it's topical. We're going to be much more entertaining as the, as the day goes longer. Um, but the spot news, uh, the news of the day, what's happening in City Hall, what's happening in the courtrooms, you see a lot more of that news uh, distributed earlier in the day. Says Stan Wisniewski, executive editor at the Philadelphia Media Network uh, and the editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Stan, thank you so much, Stan. We need sure. to take a short break now. When I come back, I have the pleasure of talking with Zoya Dayan, who is the CEO and co-founder of Wibbits, a tech platform that supports publishers such as Reuters, Forbes, and the Weather Channels, was created uh, with stories created through artificial intelligence. Uh, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow. I'm Christian Tevish, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Mm-hmm.